Hello and welcome to another beautiful Friday on Speaking for Him. I'm Dan Van Zalen and here's your host, Andrew Gommerson. Hey Dan, it's great to be with you and today we are going to continue our our series on the questions that Jesus asked. And I was realizing as I was getting ready for this series that some of the questions um, are ones that don't really have a lot of discussion tied to them, but there are aspects of them that lend to discussion. So today's question is why, well, I kind of simplified the title of the podcast to why are you sad? Um, and we'll have Dan read the uh, quote of the day in just a moment. But basically what we're going to do to look at today um, in our broad scope is how Jesus responds to us because he knows what we need in particular situations. So that is going to be the focus of this podcast called Why Are You Sad? And Dan, can you give us the quote of the day? But of course. What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Luke 24, verse 17. All right. So this is uh, a verse that is Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus with two of his followers. He, they don't know that he's risen from the dead. And one thing I find interesting, uh, Dan, about Jesus after he rose from the dead is he chose to uh, blind people's eyes first. Like mm -hmm. when he appears to Mary Magdalene, she doesn't know that it's him. She thinks it's the gardener. When he appears to the people on the road to Emmaus, he, he, they don't know that it's him. Uh, they don't know who it is until he breaks bread with them. When he appears to the disciples at first, they don't know it's him. When he says cast down to the other side, but then later after they start reeling in the fish, then Jesus, then Peter says, it's the Lord. And he swims out to him. So for whatever reason, Jesus decided to start people off from a place of not realizing who he was, which I find very interesting. But he, he always wants to challenge people uh, to accept the real him. And I think that's part of what his whole, uh, the whole situation is about in this particular instance. So let's start with an Old Testament passage. And um, the first point I want to make is that the Lord searches the heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. Jeremiah 17, verse 10. Okay, so the first thing that I want to point out about the Lord and his um, ability to know us is that he searches our hearts. You know, when we have certain human friends What's the thing we want to do when we meet somebody? We want to put the best foot forward. We don't want to do something embarrassing, um, especially if, it, it, you know, in, in my experience with with uh, young ladies that I've been interested in, you don't want to do something extremely embarrassing because you want to have a chance to get to know this person. And we we kind of feel like sometimes we can screw it up pretty easily, pretty quickly. And so largely, you just don't want to do that. You want to be the best part of yourself that you can be. But the Bible says that the Lord searches the heart. So we don't even have the ability, in a sense, to put our best foot forward when it comes to the Lord. All we can do is be honest and bear before him and hope that uh, and, and trust him to make us a better person because we can't be a better person on our own. 
So I think that's an important thing to remember. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus knows our motives. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. Matthew 9, verses 2 through 6. All right. So, in this particular instance, I love this story because, and there's other stories too, that you can find where where the, the Pharisees are just thinking something to themselves, and Jesus calls them out on their thoughts. You know, I can call you out on something that you say. You can call me out on something that I say, but only Jesus had the ability to call people out on the basis of what they were thinking. Mm -hmm. And so they're sitting here probably wiping uh, roof tiles off their shoulders or whatever because they (laughs) – the the friends of the layman pulled the thatch off or whatever and lowered him down. They cut a hole in in the roof and lowered him down. Yeah, so there was probably thatch or whatever it was falling through the hole uh, as, to, to some degree. I can just picture that. And then they are they are calling him a blasphemer, and he's like, why do you think such evil things in your hearts, you know? Um, and then he says, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? <laughs> and so he says, to prove that he's God, he says, rise up and walk, and, and the man gets up and walks out. And to me, that's always been a very powerful story because it reminds me, too, that even though Jesus, I believe, did legitimately enjoy healing people and want to heal them physically, his main purpose was to convey a spiritual truth. It wasn't just about, I'm going to give you this physical thing that you want or need. It was the fact that I'm going to show you my spiritual faithfulness through physical healing. So, uh uh-huh. Do you have any thoughts on these first two? Well, let's see. The Lord searches the heart. Um, he says, you use the King James Version in where the Lord says, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways. Um, I think it's uh, probably important to uh, mention that when God says that, um, usually in other versions it says that I test each man according to his ways. You know, so he tests us based on what we do in order to see the truth truth of us. And then if we ask him to, he'll change us. But it's not, it's not, it's like you said, when we talk to other people, we tend to put on like a false front or just say, I'm fine to whatever questions asked of us. And God says, no, I'm going to test you with who you are. And then if you ask me to, I'm going to fix you. And that's, that's. You know, something that's really, really difficult for one person to do for another person is help them fix themselves. And God says, nope, I'm just going to fix you. You know, it's something that's great and it's grand and it's lovely and it's also really terrifying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the third one is Jesus meets us where we are. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. And then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then he saith, 
he then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither, <coughs> hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. John 20, verses 26 through 29. In this situation, we see Thomas had had already said, "Unless I see um, the prints of the nails in the hands and and put my hand in his side, I will not believe." And it's interesting that Jesus answers every argument of Thomas. He says, "Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Thrust your hand into my side, and be not faithless, but believing." So not only does he appear to Thomas, but he answers every single doubt every single question and he knows everything that Thomas wanted in response to his doubts and he met him where he was and yep. I and I think that's it's such an important lesson to us too is because we want people to be where we are spiritually and sometimes we think we can drag them kicking and stream screaming instead of being like <laughs> okay let's start down, let's help you start down this road and and encourage you where you are, and hopefully build you up to go further. Um, and that's really what I've been trying to do with speaking for him, uh, ministry and podcast over these last several years is just encourage people to go further and to to do the next thing that God has for them to be. Because because I, what I like to say and what is really true is God does meet us where we are. He does take us the way we are, but He doesn't leave us there. Thank goodness. Because if he did, we'd all be miserable. Instead, he takes us and brings us from death to living a life in his power. So and he's been seeing, saying he'll meet us where we are ever since the beginning of the Old Testament, too. Oh, absolutely. Um, he has. Um, I, you know, in Exodus, it says, you know, if you put the blood of the doorposts on the the top of your door and the sides of your door, then I'll pass over you. I'll see the blood and I'll pass over your household. And he wasn't, he didn't take the time to look at the individual merits of the person. All he did was offer grace if they had that blood applied. And he offers the same grace to us if we apply his blood. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus knows what we need. Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and said unto, saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascended unto my father, and your father. And to be into my God and your God, John twenty fifteen through seventeen. And in this case, um, Jesus knew that Mary needed him. He knew that Mary needed a personal word from him to deal with her grief. Notice he asks her in this passage, "Why are you weeping?" He already knows the answer to that question, and yet that is that, and yet that is what he. Uh, but yet he's asking because he wants to hear from us. I think mm -hmm. that's an important thing for us to know as Christians today, too, because 
it ta- he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount how we're, we need to pray for for what we need. You know, he teaches us how to pray as part of the Sermon on the Mount. But then he also says your your Heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you ask. But does that mean he doesn't want you to ask? No, because he wants relationship with you. He's oh. not a vending machine. <laughs> he is a person who wants a relationship with persons who are made in his image. And that's an important thing for us to remember. Yeah. That's kind of a thing we tend to forget, to be honest. We do. Um, and he knew, he knows that we're forgetters and that's why he instituted the Lord's table where we can, um, at regular intervals, uh, take the time to remember his sacrifice for us. Much like in the Old Testament, when he constantly tells the children of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, and I led you out of Egypt. Um, and he says it over and over again. It's probably, if you were to, if you were to look at it, it's probably one of the most quoted things in the entire Bible is that whole thing about him being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and leading them out of Egypt. He told them that over and over again because they easily forgot God. Yep. And if you look at judges, that's what it's all about. They forget God, then they get punished, then they come back to God, then they forget God, then they get punished, then they come back to God. It's the whole the whole book is basically that. The whole book is basically that every single generation. So that that just shows us the importance of passing on biblical values to the next generation. I don't have any children yet, but I have 22 nieces and nephews that I can impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ and numerous kids at the Potter's house, Christian school where I work. Um, do you have any additional thoughts, Dan? Not at this time. All right. Then we'll move on to our final passage today, which is, um, uh, Jesus knows everything about us. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. John 4, verses 17 through 19 and 29. And then, uh, I must have forgotten to I must have forgotten to put the final verse in there but the final verse is she goes to her village and she says to them in verse 29 come and meet a man who told me all things that I ever did could this be the messiah and I think that's so interesting because for most of us the idea of someone knowing everything we ever did is horrifying it's a little scary because on a human level what do we fear the most? We fear that someone will know our deepest, darkest secrets and broadcast them to the world. Or just simply reject us. But you notice that – or simply reject us, like you said. But you notice that neither of these things happen with Jesus. And she's able to say it like it's a good thing mm-hmm. because he, she realizes that he had the power to redeem her future and take away the sting of her past. And also and I, worth mentioning is that he had the power right then and there to just broadcast that to everyone <laughs> around her and have her stoned to death. 
and he did not do so. That is very true as well. Again, that was one of the points I was making is he had the power to do what, what we as humans fear the most, which is tell everybody. And instead, what God says to us is your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. And so that's a pretty exciting part of being a believer in Christ. Yep. He also says they shall be as far as you as the east is from the west. So, uh, uh, Friends, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you as you consider uh, who Jesus is. Because to go back to the first question of the day, why are you sad? It's interesting. It's funny because if you read that whole passage in context, you find that the people go through the events of the last few days and they said, do you not know all these things? And Jesus, you know, Jesus, of course, knows better than they even do or better than you and I even do what actually happened over those three days because he experienced who knows how much torment Um, because we only see the physical side of it. Uh But there was a definite huge spiritual component to the suffering that he endured for us. And so such as such things to be thankful for today. And I really hope that people will be blessed and benefited by that as we continue through the year 2020. So do you have any final thoughts, Dan? Mm, I'll say this. Um, despite the fact that somebody knowing everything about you is really scary, the fact that it's, you know, God and Jesus who are so, so very willing to forgive you and just simply love you is probably one of the more comfortable or comforting things I can think of. Oh, absolutely. I, in, in my final, the final thing I want to say today is I find it interesting that in that Acts 24 passage that I was talking about earlier, he calls them fools. Yet, in some way, the loving way that Jesus conducted himself, he was able to call them fools without alienating them. Because mm-hmm. he definitely did it without anger. Yep. And we we would tend not to use the word fool without anger. <laughs> or being um, uh, condescending. So with that, I will say goodbye to you all. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend and that you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 